Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
What a song. What a song. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sodder Show. I'm Rory Sodder, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all since last night. We had a fantastic show last night. Amazing guests, perfect dialogue, great, great topics, every, everything you could want uh, in a show. Unbelievable flow. Um, it's just, it's all so uh, incredible the way we all resonate with one another. And, uh, you know, like I do every episode, I want to thank all my guests, my co-hosts, my sponsors and audience. You are all incredible. I, uh, I hope everybody's week is going accordingly. I hope it's fun. I hope it's productive. I hope it's everything it's meant to be. Uh, we have a lot, a lot to get into tonight. Um, I want to mention that, uh, you know, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, the next, N-E-X, Gen, G-E-N-U-S-A dot com. Also remember, mark your calendars, October 6th, it will be on AM radio, and you'll be able to hear me in your cars, it will reach millions of people, very excited for that. Um, also remember... Starting in about a month and a half, two months, I will be releasing the big network I've been talking about. Many notable names doing their own shows, raising a lot of money for it. Uh, very excited. Can't wait to share that with all of you. Um, let's see here. I will have some announcements uh, coming this week, most likely. So stay tuned for that. Um, I'm just thinking. Hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I um, – I believe I've uh, said everything in terms of the, in terms of, you know, um, my announcement, my announcements for now, of course. Uh, but we will, well, I will be, I have, I have stuff to definitely um, um, alert you guys up. There's, a, there's definitely a lot going on with the future of the Rory Sodder show. Um, you know, it's fun times, fun times. I do want to welcome to the show. Uh, let's see here. I got a lot of people on the line. I want to welcome uh, doctor, uh, political activist, uh, pastor, NRA member, and 2020 Republican congressional congressional candidate for the 13th district of Ohio, uh, Dr. Dwayne Hennon. How are you, sir? I am doing terrific. I'm looking forward to getting this show started because there's a lot to cover tonight. There absolutely is. It's been uh, one story after the other today in the media. It's been constant. I would also like to welcome to the show. I believe we have him with us. Um, retired Art. Uh, I believe we have him. Hold on. Retired police chief and homicide detective Michael Halsey. Michael, how are you? Hi, Roy. Thanks for having me tonight. Continues to be a Absolutely. very busy week. It's only Tuesday. Uh, should be should get very interesting by the end of the week. I'm sure. Uh, one thing for sure is uh, our great president's approval rating continue, continues to skyrocket. And uh, with some of the events of the day and what's about to unfold, I think it's only going to go higher. Absolutely, my friend. Uh, very good to have you back. Thank you. I would also like to welcome to the show, I believe we have him with us right now, we have mayor candidate from San Diego, 
and real estate mogul, Richard Hanson. Richard, welcome back. How are you? Well, thank you very much, Rory. I mean, we had a great show last night, and it's fantastic to be back tonight with all the news that's happening. So I look forward to tonight's show, definitely. Absolutely. Great to have you here, sir. Thank you. And I know we're going to have a big show talking about all this uh, good stuff that Trump is about to drop on these people tomorrow. So I'll let you do your thing here. Sounds good, my friend. I also would like to welcome, we got a lot of people on the line tonight. This is fun stuff, guys, fun <clears> stuff. <throat> I believe we also have, uh, from Colorado, we have Jeff, uh, Jeff Ross on. How are you, buddy? Jeff Ross? Yeah, I'm here. Nice to um, I really hey, appreciate you, have, you inviting you, me to be on your show. Yeah. So um, I saw you in the on the Afghanistan vet. I never made it to uh, Iraq. So, but I appreciate you having me on uh, on your show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. I uh, also would like to welcome on the panel. I believe we have one more person. We have a talk show host and activist. Matthew Holloway. Matthew, welcome. How are you? Rory, I'm doing well. Coming to you right now from the uh, Sonoran Desert Forward Operations Center of Mojo Five O Radio, also known as my house. Uh, doing well, man. And uh, today has just been incredibly full of noteworthy news. I mean, she's finally done it. Pelosi has finally sabotaged the I Democratic know. Party for the next 20 years. It's dude, it's insanity. I mean, you know, it's like bring it on. I mean, they they are just when you thought they couldn't get any crazier, and we we thought that you know they weren't serious, especially the the ones that have been there for a long time. I mean, people that are have been there. I mean, they know this impeachment thing is going to be a disaster, but they're getting so much pressure from their constituents and all these radical leftists that it's like it's crazy right now, man. It's crazy. I put out the Twitter post this morning as soon as the news broke. Well, I should say this afternoon, but um, that the DNC and our NPC friends, their self-destruct sequence has been initiated because, mark me, President Trump is going to come out of this thing almost completely unscathed because there is such little substance, so little meat on the bone coming from this circumstantial whistleblower. But what is going to happen, and you can take this to the bank, is that it's going to sail through the House with very little argument. But go into the Senate, and in the Senate is where the magic is going to happen because the GOP majority in the Senate is going to drag out every nugget of the grime and filth that was accomplished by the Bidens in Ukraine and in China. Dude, I, I hear you. I hear you. We're going to get into it right now. A lot to get into. Uh, this is this is really big. Uh, but I, you know what? Just just I want to say this real quick. I would be surprised if it got got past the House. And, 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 you know, I get they have the advantage, but I think there's too many people in there that know better. You know, I, I think that they can pass it in the House. I think there's a good chance. But I also think it's somewhat of a long shot, even in the House. But, I, you know, it, it's, um, it's one of those things, though, that it will definitely not get past the Senate. There's no way. Um, but, yeah, we've we got to get into this, Matthew. Uh, I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you, man. Uh, this is big stuff, big stuff. Um, but guys, yeah, I mean, they did it. They did it today. The opening story, the biggest headline of the day, the Democrats come out, Nancy Pelosi with her facelift and her Botox and looks like a mummy, comes out, 
scares the hell out of everybody when she talks. She slurs every other word, acts like she's drunk half the time. Uh, you know, there, there there isn't a lot of common sense or, um, you know, intelligence coming from this woman. This woman is off the wall. Uh, you know, she's listening, she's listening too much to her radical constituents, uh, these radical politicians, people like AOC and people like, uh, you know, the squad and all these people and uh, Nadler. Uh, but here's the honest truth, and, and I really think this. Uh, I think, you know, a, there's quite a few Democrats that are just shaking their head at this point. Uh, in Washington because they know this is leading down a bad road. I mean, there's, obviously we have quite a few that are all for it, but don't think that all of them are for it because even if they don't like Trump, they know this going down this, this rabbit hole, going down this slippery slope is going to basically hand him the election in 2020. This is giving him the election. We saw what happened with Bill Clinton after they tried to impeach him. His favorability ratings went way up. He got more popular. And, I mean, he got, he, he, he you know, it, it, it just it worked in his favor. Think about it. You know, you, you have to have a legitimate, sufficient reason for impeachment. These people have tried to come up with hundreds of different things to impeach the president on. None of them have valuable merit. None of them have any logic. None, none of these, none of these, accusations or the things that they wanted to impeach on have any merit whatsoever. They, they, don't, they don't speak volumes. There's nothing there. Uh, this is all a witch hunt. This is, like Trump said, this is the greatest witch hunt in history. There, there's no going around that. This is the greatest witch hunt in history. The mainstream media misleading people every day, being in bed with the Democrats, giving all these false narratives about Russia, every second, lying to us maliciously, it never ends. It never ends. And there isn't anything there for impeachment. Let's get this straight. Trump hasn't done anything remotely close, uh, you know, for grounds, for grounds of impeachment. Obama did. Something you, never saw, you never saw this whole Obama thing, uh, you know, get out of control. I mean, he did illegal stuff every other second. And he was actually, he should have been impeached. We knew it was never going to happen, though. But, you know, if you want to give it an, an example or, or somebody that should be impeached, it's Barack Hussein Osama. I mean, you know what? This, this is, this is abuse, abuse, abusing power at, at, the, at, the worst, at the worst stage. It's taking, you know, corruption to a whole new level. You know, just because they don't like him, just because they know they can't beat him, they, they scream impeachment. This is what they do. They scream impeachment because they know they can't beat him, and they're threatened by him, and they hate the fact that he's working for the people. We haven't had a leader in Washington for many, many years, probably since Reagan, who has, uh, you know, sincerely, officially been for the people. And this drives Democrats crazy because all they care about – it drives other politicians crazy in our party too, Democrats and Republicans, and because they're so used to their own self-interest, they're not used to we the people, and that's a big problem in Washington. We've totally, you know, they've totally lost the, the meaning of, of we the people. You know, it's, it's all me, 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 me. It's self-indulging. 
It's, it's, it's the most selfish culture. It, it's, it's all about power. Uh, a lot of it is, is there's no decency left. And these people are at each other's throats every second. It's like at least at one point in time, Democrats and Republicans could actually work together. They could actually get stuff done. Remember Tip O'Neill? Remember Reagan? Those years? Even with Clinton. Clinton got stuff done with Newt Gingrich. When Newt Gingrich was House Speaker. So this is, you know, this is like radicalization at, at the all-time, at all-time high with the left. They can't even get small stuff done for their constituents. For the last almost three years, they've been talking about nothing but impeachment. And they're, that now they're going off of impeachment based off of this anonymous source with this Ukraine whistleblower. But we just heard in the reports yesterday, like we talked on the show, that the, the whistleblower admitted that he didn't know word for word what was said, and he was basically just making guesses. And Trump has now approved the release of the transcripts, so nothing is hidden. So you know what? When Trump even gives them what they want and he shows them the truth, it's, it's not what they want to hear. So they'll totally ignore it and, you know, be as oppositional and stubborn as possible. These people accuse us of what they are guilty of. It needs to stop. And you know what? I've been saying for a long time, bring it on. Stop threatening. Bring it on. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. And bring the impeachment. But it's going to screw your party so bad. Your party is going to be so screwed because of this. For years to come, this will affect you in every election. For many years to come. You guys are going to be remembered for this clown show and this incompetence for a long time. And all this does is it leads stuff down the wrong road. I mean, this is sending the wrong signal to the public. This is, this is dividing America even more. This is, this is – and it's fake. It's fake, fake, fake. You have people in our country believing that Trump did something wrong because you're saying so and you have the media on your side. It's ridiculous. Anytime Trump farts, these people scream impeachment. He could cure cancer, and they'll say, oh, well, why not diabetes? Can you do that? Like, it's never good enough. Play this, I'm going to play this clip from Tucker Carlson earlier tonight. He really puts things into perspective perfectly, and, he, and he's always uh, right on the money. He really is. He, he's awesome with, with this. And, and you got to hear this. One, one uh, five. She learned that 
up until just last week, she had seemed like a traded prospect. And suddenly, out of nowhere, it seems little fanfare and almost no explanation. Everything seems to change. Tonight, just a few hours ago, Pelosi announced that impeachment proceedings are, in fact, underway. Full steam ahead. I contend with authority that Trump administration's actions undermine our national security and our intelligence. The actions of the Trump presidency reveal dishonorable facts of the president's betrayal of his oath of office, betrayal of our national security, betrayal of the integrity of our elections. Therefore, today, I'm announcing the House of Representatives moving forward with an official impeachment. I'm directing our six committees to proceed with their investigation under that umbrella of impeachment. The president must be held accountable. No one is above the law. People who sold out your country to China are concerned that President Trump betrayed America. As of this moment, Pelosi's party seems to agree they're behind her mostly. As Congressman John Lewis of Georgia explained, working to remove an elected president the year before a Democratic election is, in fact, somehow a defense of democracy. What? I believe, I truly believe, it's time to begin a conspiracy against this president to delay or to do otherwise betray the foundation of our democracy. Are you confused yet? They show me no blame you. If you left house the you may be wondering what the hell is going on exactly. For years they told you that Trump was going to be impeached for colluding with Russia, spying for Putin. Then it turned out he didn't do that. The story's evaporated into just the seal blow away. Then just a few days ago, they were probably about impeachment again. That Corey Lewandowski, remember him? Brought up to Capitol Hill to make their case. That didn't go well at all. I said, we ask you, is it correct? And it's reported in the Mueller report on June 19, 2017. You met alone in the Oval Office with the President. Should we read the exact language of reports where I don't have a family? I don't think I need to do that, and I have limited time. Did you meet alone with the president that day? Actually, I'd like you to refresh my memory by providing a copy of the report so I can follow along. Hey, you don't have a copy of I don't have a copy of the report, Captain. You don't have an independent recollection of whether you met with the president on that date? All right, so I'm just trying to find in the Mueller report where it says that. Well, you have it in front of you. I think you press the, the page number. Where on page 90 is it, sir? Just check that third clock. It's, no, I don't have the side of the clock, but he's still rusty. It shouldn't take much for Chairman Nadler to collapse live on season for comparison. I think at some point Democrats might just decide to run a real presidential campaign. We tell Trump that way, just like in a democracy. It would have to be more effective than what they're doing now. Remember, show it as of this morning. Donald Trump's approval rating was the highest it has been since the inauguration. No Democrats don't want to wait until the next election. They don't want to wait until November. Politics takes too long and it leaves too much to chance. The risk of democracy is voters might not agree with you. Hillary Clinton learned that the hard way in 2016. The one thing Democrats don't want to do is to repeat that. Better remove your opponents by force if you can. This brings us to the latest question of impeachment. What exactly is about. It's more confusing. Sorry to laugh in the middle of this. We've spent all day trying to figure out what is the impeachment story. It's about Ukraine. 
can't explain. What did the president do wrong? We're going to do our best to tell you the case there. Honestly, as we said, confusing and not all that interesting. Here's what they are saying. They're saying that in a phone call with the president of Ukraine, the president threatened to delay a $418 military aid package to Ukraine unless the Ukrainian government continues investigate possible criminal activity involving Joe Biden's son. Why Joe Biden's son? Well, for five years, Joe Biden's son turns out was paid hundreds of thousands of dollars per year to serve on the board of the Ukrainian gas company. Why would Joe Biden's son be on the board of the Ukrainian gas company? He had no experience in the energy business, didn't speak the relevant language, he had no, apparently, no experience whatsoever in the region. Turns out, at that very moment, Joe Biden was President Obama's point man for Ukraine. So at a certain point during this saga, the company in question was investigated. And then in 2016, the Ukrainian prosecutor overseeing that investigation was fired. Apparently he was fired under pressure from Vice President Joe Biden. Now to the layman, that looks a lot like corruption. What does it have to do with the president being impeached? Well, the accusation that President Trump suggested that that squelched investigation deserved a candid look. Democrats say that suggestion was an impeachable offense. You following this? Of course, there are plenty of other reasons the U.S. might not want to send $400 million to Ukraine. It'd be a notoriously corrupt country, for one thing. What do we get out of it for another? And by the way, sending military aid to Ukraine may play please the neocons and CNN, the crystal strong for it, but it also greatly increases the chances of conflict with Russia. Of course, that would be nuclear conflict, potentially. What's the point of that exactly? Nobody has bothered to explain why sending $400 million in military aid to Ukraine is in the interest of the United States. They haven't even thought to explain that. They're too busy yelling about impeachment. They're dealing with all the hysterical intensity that has become the hallmark of the modern West. They have a lot of energy. But none of it is focused on the country's real problems. And there are a lot of those. We don't want to see them taken, but we will see it on just a couple because they're worth mentioning. Our national debt is exploding. That's credit card debt, by the way. Personal debt is never measured. We have a war in Afghanistan that can't seem to win or end. Our towns outside the big cities are being decimated and desiccated by opioids and suicide. If you haven't been there, drive to a take a look yourself. We have recently held the border with Mexico. Tech companies trying to control our freedom of speech. Anyways, our country is on the wrong track, and people know it. Everybody knows it. Democrats and Republicans. But instead of trying to fix any of that, Democrats want to spend the next year explaining, and they plan to, explaining why it was perfectly fair for Joe Biden's ne'er-do-well son to get 600 grand a year from the Ukrainian oligarchs. That's totally fine, but it's somehow criminal for Donald Trump to ask about that. That's the message. Good luck with that. Hard to imagine many voters will be impressed by it. I mean, he's absolutely right. I mean, the double standard here is unbelievable. I mean, it's clearly visible that Joe Biden and his son broke the law and committed so many different crimes by doing this. Joe Biden's on tape admitting it, just like I said on the show yesterday. He's on tape, you know, bragging about getting the prosecutor fired and getting all this money. And it's not a secret, but the media wants to cover up for him. They want to 
twist this, the, the plot. They want to spin it as much as possible in the favor of, of the Democrats. It is, it's laughable. It is laughable. You know, and, and these, these silly narratives and, and these silly, you know, antics by the Democrats, I mean, it's, it, it just never ends, guys. It never, ever ends. You know, it, it's ridiculous. Uh, let, let's start. Uh, Dr. Hennon, I'll start with you. Go ahead. Well, um, you know, we've got ridiculous like Congressman Tim Ryan, who I'm running against, coming out saying impeach, impeach, impeach over these offenses or what they call offenses. Um, my opinion is not an offense. Number one, it's looking out for our best interests as a country. Um, we have Joe Biden that's done some serious wrong um, and his son as well. Um, yet, they, you know, they don't want that investigated because, number one, that's going to make them look bad. But by going forward with impeachment, that's what it's going to bring out. It's going to bring out a whole bunch of bad news for them. It's going to make running in 2020 easier for everyone, including myself. It's going to make winning easier for everyone, including myself, that is running as a Republican. And I'm looking forward to this because I think this is a, a game changer for a lot of different reasons. You know, and, and number one is because you look at Trump's approval rating. Uh, that's going to skyrocket like never before. Uh, and we're going to have a backing of people that the moderate Democrats, um, they're going to be coming over to the right side. Uh, they're going to be coming over because uh, you know, they're seeing it as ridiculous as well. So I think uh, this is a, a great move, a terrible move for the Democrats, but it's a great move for the Republicans. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, it, it is one of those things where, you know, we saw how, how popular Bill Clinton became after this whole circus. I mean, it's, it's really a, it's bad for the party that, that, that you know, tries to, tries to go after impeachment. It really is. Well, you know, it's the party of devastation and destruction, and that's why I keep telling Tim Ryan here in Ohio. He's devastated and destroyed our cities in this district, and, you know, this is what they're doing to their own party now. They don't have enough common sense. Uh, I think they got two brain cells left, and one's waving bye-bye to the other. Uh, and, and I think they're, they're against the ropes, and I think this time they're going to go down with it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. No, I Absolutely. Um, let, let's go to let's go to Michael Valsey. Michael Valsey, go ahead. You work you worked in law enforcement. I mean, you're probably you're probably so furious about this entire thing. Well, I am because there's real crimes that have happened, and uh, and and they're trying to go after somebody just because they know uh, they know he's doing a good job, and they're trying to basically Pelosi said it today. He basically came out and told the truth. He said they're just doing this to try to stop the president from being reelected. And and they're sure not doing a very good job of that because this is going to do nothing but get him reelected. The other thing about this whistleblower, you know, the inspector general came out and said that he already, he already knew this guy has anti-Trump bias, right? He's being represented by former Schumer and Clinton operative. So that ought to tell you something about this guy who, who will, I'm sure we'll find out who he is. Uh, and after after the president uh, said that he'd released the transcript, now all of a sudden this whistleblower has new allegations. This guy, I, I don't know who he is, and I don't know what the Democrats are doing, but like I said, they're they're helping this president get reelected. And you were absolutely right. We talked about it yesterday. This is the Biden family scandal, and and crime for that matter. Uh, I mean, it's a crime, and there's no doubt. What what happened with him and his son is criminal. 
It violates all federal law. It, it violates federal procedure in the way that it's supposed to present things and how the public is supposed to perceive what you do, which is what they're going to accuse the president of here, right, uh, in addition to the money that they took. Uh, but this is a Biden scandal, and I think what's going to happen is you, you hit the nail right on the head and you're open, is that the Republicans are going to pick this thing apart. Uh, and the Republicans that are in the House are going to pick this thing apart. And I, you're going to see this thing is going, to, is going to turn on Biden and his son. You know, let's not forget, there's, there's 31 seats right now in, in the House that are held by Democrats that are in Trump districts, they're in Republican areas. Those are seats that the, the Republicans are probably going to win back very, very easily, 28 of them for sure. Uh, this is not helping their chances. It's certainly a shot in the arm for the Republicans and Donald Trump going forward. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, you know, this is, this is definitely, definitely going to be uh, something that strongly backfires uh, on the left, you know, there's no doubt, no doubt about that. Uh, you know, Roy, if I could say one more thing. Uh, yeah, go ahead. You know, we talked, we talked about this yesterday. You know, it doesn't it seem strange that all of a sudden this Ukraine thing is out there. It was almost like the president wanted it out there. He wanted this Biden thing to come out. He knew he didn't do anything wrong. He used this thing. I think he got it out in the media. Yeah, no, uh, that, that's just my thought. You know, and you know, the, you know the real the real story here is the is Biden is Biden and his son doing this corrupt deal. It's not it's not it's not about Trump. They just want to point the finger at Trump, the media, because it's convenient. It fits their narrative, and they know they're the sheep that watch it are going to react. That's absolutely correct. You know, it's it, it, it we're we're dealing with uh, some interesting times, all to say the least. Uh, Richard Richard Hansen, go ahead. Yes, sir. Well, I tell you, we have another terrific show, and I do agree with uh, the previous uh, speaker there regarding that it is going to be easier for Republicans. But remember, it's going to be easier for Trump Republicans. Because there's yeah. still a lot of Republicans, and I'm just waiting for the rats to start jumping ship, like Mitt Romney. So you got a lot of these Republicans who are just itching uh, to come after Trump. You know, yeah, rhinos. As soon as they see a little weakness, and that's the kind of that's the kind of problem that we have here. You know, as, as I said, I'm running for mayor, as you introduced me, for the city of San Diego. There is nobody else but me running for mayor in the city of San Diego. But because the San Diego has now been routed by the Democrats uh, because of the leadership of the San Diego Republican Party, uh, not backing the president in the beginning, not standing up for the president, there's nobody in elected office as a Republican. So I'm the only Republican running out here, and uh, I'm getting a cold shoulder from the local uh, San Diego Republican Party because I'm not one of the, uh, the elitists from the past. So we have to remember that, that it's going to be the Trump Republicans that are going to protect this president. And we have to keep that in mind. Now, this thing with Joe Biden is, is outrageous. And we did talk about this last night. The fact that Joe Biden is on tape saying that 
if you don't uh, fire this prosecutor, which is investigating my son, I'm not going to give you a billion dollars. But because the, you know, the other leaders of the world and the UN or whoever else uh, was calling for the resignation of this prosecutor, uh, it seems to be okay when it comes to Biden because all the elitists, the globalists, wanted this prosecutor uh, gone. But when it comes to Trump, who represents the American people, our president, who cares about America first, asking the same type of questions, hey, what's going on with the corruption out there? Uh, you know, and we'll find out exactly how he how he couched this. But I know uh, our president, uh, this is a trap that's set up for the Democrats. They have no idea how bad this is going to end for them. And we've already got a few of these Republicans like uh, Mark Sanford, Mitt Romney, and this other guy, Joe Walsh, you know, uh, you know, ex-congressman, all coming out with uh, their talking points against this president. So this is when uh, the Trump Republicans really have to stand up for our president and say, we're not going to put up with this crap. We want an investigation right now into Joe Biden and his son, Hunter. And, you know, if, if you heard the stories, apparently Hunter's got a big cocaine problem, alcohol problem. Uh, he was thrown out of the Navy. I mean, this guy's got all kinds of problems, you know, and, and I'm not, uh, you know, holding that against people. You know, people have problems, you know, and then hopefully they can better themselves. But the fact that he landed a job getting $55,000 a month, uh, $600,000 a year, he got a billion dollars from the Chinese. The Chinese, you're telling me that a billion dollars from the Chinese doesn't affect our elections? And then you look at this issue in the Ukraine. What the hell is going on in the Ukraine? One minute, uh, you know, it's the Russians uh, taking over Crimea, uh, the, the whole thing with shutting off the gas line. And now the, uh, he, uh, Hunter Biden's getting all kinds of money from the Ukrainians uh, for policy issues because Joe Biden's blackmailing them. And, and the president's just saying, hey, what the hell is going on there in Ukraine? We're sending you uh, arms and weapons, you know, not pillows and blankets like Obama did. And all of a sudden he's getting all this blowback from Pelosi. They haven't even read the transcript yet. They can't even wait one day. Now, the funniest thing that I heard today, and I don't know if this is true, but what I'm hearing is what Nancy Pelosi said is nothing more than what Jerry Nadler has already been doing. So they're just trying to put a new, uh, you know, face on what's already been going on. And, and you know, it's impeachment light. Nothing's really happening at this point. Uh, there has been no vote in the House. And you know what? I don't think they're going to be able to even make it through the House on this impeachment because when this blows up in their face, it's going to be over for the Democrats. And that's when the Trump Republicans, as our uh, gentleman here is running for a congressman and other people around the country, need to step up, not as just a Republican, but a Trump Republican, and let the public know we don't care, you know, these uh, liberal socialist Democrats, what they want to call us. We're standing up for America, and we're standing up for our president, not these elitist Republicans from the past who have been a big drag on our presidency uh, with President Trump. First two years, we had the House, and the biggest problems that President Trump had in the House came from these elitist Republicans, these globalists, like Mitt Romney. I mean, you got a loser, a complete loser, Mitt Romney, stepping up and in every opportunity. And then Mark Sanford yeah. saying that, you know, the Republican Party has lost their way. No, he lost his way along the Appalachian Trail, and he fell into some uh, woman's vagina in Argentina. How does that work? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you. You're, you're always on point. I love everything you said. 
Absolutely right. Uh, let's go to uh, Matthew Holloway. Go ahead. Rory, you know, it, it's going to come down to this. It's going to come down to where is the red meat for the, the Democrat base, for the radical Democrat base to devour. And that's what this is going to be an exercise in. Make no mistake. I, I don't I, – I can't quite get behind the concept that maybe President Trump arranged this. That's possible. But you know, that, that's where we're starting to get into 4D chess. But I think this is an in-earnest attempt by the Democrats to unseat a rightfully elected president of the United States. But in their ignorance, they're going to be their own downfall. They're going to go into this believing that they can galvanize their base, whip up public opinion against President Trump, despite his approval ratings being the highest they've ever been right now. But you're going to have the effect of galvanizing the right. And I've been seeing it in the commentary today. I've been seeing it all over Twitter. I've been seeing it all over Facebook. People are ready to stand behind this president and stand behind the vote that they cast in 2016 and make it again in 2020. I do believe we do not have another option than a Trump presidency in 2020. We have to stay the course. Really, the best thing that conservatives can do with a president like President Trump is support him, back the play, and urge him to move in a fiscally conservative direction, because I know that hasn't been his shtick per se. But once we get through this impeachment process, like I said, it's going to die for sure in the Senate. It may even die in the House. But Joe Biden is going to be wrecked. So in 2020... You're going to be going up against Elizabeth Warren. You're going to be going up against the radical left's poster child. And in that election, Donald Trump wins every time. Then, in the following four years, the president then has a free hand. He doesn't have an election coming up. And we can see what President Trump is really made of when he doesn't have the election pointed at his head. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know I agree with you. I I I thought for the last couple months that uh, Pocahontas will be the nominee, and I I can I still continue to think so. Um, you know I uh, it's it's sad because that's how far left the Democratic Party has gone. There there is no middle ground anymore. There's no moderate left. There's it's it's scary scary times. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me on, man. I got to drop. I appreciate it though. Absolutely, man. Well, great, great having you here. Thank you. Thanks, Roy. Absolutely. Uh, let, let's go to let's go to Josh. Josh, go ahead. I know you probably have a lot of thoughts about what's going on. Hi, Rory. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's you know what I think we should all be celebrating right now, and I have to warn everyone to get their swim vests ready because there's going to be a lot of leftist tears this week when. Uh, the phone call uh, transcript is uh, uh, released, and when uh, the whistleblower that apparently worked on the worked with Hillary's with Hillary Clinton, uh, when the details on that, the whistleblower who uh, was in the intel community apparently uh, used to work with Hillary Clinton, all those details are going to come out soon, and it's just going to be hell for the Democrats because they're going to look silly for even having this impeachment inquiry um, so soon. Because it's obvious they're just trying to have another witch hunt. Um, and I do want to make a point. <clears throat> just like uh, if, you, if you look back at the recent midterm elections, we lost the House. Not by a lot. Uh, but the important note to make is that we gained in the Senate, not by a lot. 
But the reason that's important is because that shows how frustrated voters were across the board, Democrat, Republican, Independent, with how the Senate tried to destroy Brett Kavanaugh. And all of these witch hunts that the Democrats are already known for practically, the people have had enough of it. The average American, whether they be Republican or Democrat or Independent, they've had enough of this. They, they want honesty, and that's why no one has respect for Washington anymore, regardless of who they affiliate with. So now they're going to see that the president is uh, once again being hunted by the Democrats in this, you know, uh, uh, I would say inappropriate fashion, given that the full details didn't come out yet. And they're going to remember this. And that, that's why I say get ready to get the swim vests ready because there's going to be a lot of leftist tears because this is going to crash. Uh, this is going to, to fall all over the place with the Democrats. It's not going to go anywhere for them. President Trump is 100% going to win re-election, and we should be very grateful that this is happening because it's only it's only going to make our case more. It's going to rile up our base. Absolutely. Well, I, I 100% agree with you. Spot on. Uh, Mike Peters in New York. Go ahead. Um, hi, Rory. How are you? You know, it's just it's it, we all. He's right. You guys, everybody here is right. We're we're just. I think the. There's going to be a backlash. We're all fed up with hearing it. It's turned into a joke. It's like you've got a video of a crime being committed, and you're putting it up saying, look, we got a video. This crime was committed. Here's the people that did it. And, well, wait a minute. That's not important. The, the crime isn't important. What's important here, we have to get to the bottom of this. Where did that video come from, and how did you find out about it? What? But that's what they do. They completely take everything and spit it around on its nose and completely reverse it. Like Juicy Smollett, remember that uh, with uh, Chappelle saying, wait yeah. a minute, now you were exposed and you were there. Oh, no. Uh, look, I'm the victim now. No, you're not the victim. You're the one that committed the crime. No, I'm the victim now because you exposed it. I didn't tell the police to investigate it to the point that they didn't spend the money for this. I'm being victimized here. What? They completely, it's a, nothing but a game. And I, I hope that we can hear from some of the players in the Ukraine. Maybe even get that prosecutor and interview him and get his take on it. And then what are the Democrats going to say? That they're pro-Trump? I guess they will. They'll have nothing else to do. I mean, it's, people are sick of hearing it, and pretty soon it's going to get to the point that, oh, hi, my name is, and I'm a Democrat. Oh, you're one of them. It's going to, get, it's going to become embarrassing. People are going to be embarrassed to admit that they're Democrats. Just like at the end. With Hillary and everything, I used to see here in New York, there were some people that were taking their Obama stickers off the back of the cars. They were embarrassed. And it'll get to that point again. You know, so that's, that's all I have to say. Thanks, though. Well, I agree. No, I agree with you. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to Jeff. Jeff, I know you have some thoughts. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I got a, I got a couple of things that have been really bothering me, like since Trump was elected. Um, I don't know if you know, but you know, I'm a retired Green Beret. Um, you know, Thank you, Green Berets sir. have to have a. We have to have a. Oh, you're welcome. I do it all over again. Um, but we have to have a TSSCI clearance, right? That's like one level below the highest you can get. Okay. So, I have kind of a weird career. I went through the Special Force Qualification Course in 1982, 1983. I was on a team. I was a team guy from '83 to '94. Then I got out. I was out for like 16 or 17 years, got a divorce, wanted to get in the fight, got back in, got back on doing Green Beret stuff or whatever. But what, what the contrast that I see 
um, is I remember back in the 80s, you know, there was, you know, if you wanted to get information, you know, whether it was they're trying to get information from us or we wanted to get information from them, we were using tradecraft, spy stuff, going after it. Now, if you're a Russian spy or a Chinese or whatever, all you got to do is wait for a leak, and there it is. It's out. And I don't get it. I don't understand why. And, and I know that the guy that did this leak, if he's in the Intel committee, he's got to have a high-level clearance. And I think that guy should be publicly put in prison for a long time, and that's going to stop a few leaks, stop a lot of leaks. Um, like Adam Schiff, I know he's got a clearance, and he's a leaker. Why is he not in jail, along with Comey and all the rest of them? You know, there's there's just so many leaks that have been done to damage this president, and nobody's paid for it, and yet we know what – if you have a clearance, you know what you sign saying this is what happens if I disclose any information that is at a secret or a TS level. And I, I just don't get it. I don't understand why these people are not being thrown in jail and the lights turned out. Yeah, well, I agree with you. You know, it's it's the biggest double standard because if a Republican was doing this stuff, they would be crucified. They would be, you know, I mean, I mean, it's 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 the worst uh, what these Democrats can get away with, you know. Well, and you know, on the other hand, um, when you look at, you know, I'm I'm on a panel with some you know guy guys running for uh, congressional seats, mayoral seats, and I'm you know I'm so honored to be with these guys. Um, and I'm, you know, from my point of view, my dad was a civics teacher, all this stuff, you know, that the only way that we're actually going to win this is we have to wrap ourselves in the Constitution. We have to know what it says. Because when I listened to Pelosi today, she just distorted the whole thing. She knew exactly what she was doing because she knows the general population is not up on the Constitution. She can say whatever she says, whatever she wants to say about it, and people are going to believe her unless people actually arm themselves with the Constitution and are able to fight with that. Otherwise, you know, we're not going to – it's going to be an uphill battle for us. I do think Trump will win the next election, though. Well, no, well say, say, say the last part. You, you, you're the last five seconds cut out. What were you saying? Oh, well, I was saying that, you know, what Pelosi said was, you know, she was not correct about like the articles of impeachment or anything like that, but people are going to believe her because they don't know the constitution. You know, that's, they haven't caught it for years yep. in school. Yep. Um, it's going to be an uphill battle for Trump is still going to win, but you know, he could be the last one that we get in if we don't get back to the constitution and people know what it's actually all about. Period. I agree. I agree with you. One, 100%. Absolutely. Um, let's see here. I'm going to, guys, I'm going to take a quick commercial. Uh, we will be right back. Stay with us. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love like chicken, shrimp, and cheese just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Fridays, the home of endless absence. Endless absence every night, 9 p.m. to close. 
she's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to it 25 different countries. On nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24 7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, vnexgenusa.com. Also remember, starting October 6th, you'll be able to hear me on AM and radio in your car. It'll reach millions of people. I'm very excited. Also remember, in a month and a half to two months, I will be releasing a big 24-7 network that I'm working on. We're raising a lot of money for it. Many notable names doing their own shows. So stay tuned, and we will have a lot more announcements on that. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show, I believe he's with us, uh, we have popular columnist, activist, and best-selling author, Eric Mal. Eric, how are you? Good. How are you, Rory? Doing very well, my friend. Great to have you here. Um, tell, but you know, first time on the show, tell us a little bit about yourself. All my guests, when they first come on, I like to get a bio from them, all the different adventures and, and roads you've been down, all that fun stuff. Oh, sure. I'm a conservative through and through. I'm an immigrant uh, from, uh, from Taiwan, which is part of China in my mind. And, uh, so I'm a Chinese, ethnic Chinese, but I'm a conservative. I love the U S and, uh, the, I think the U S history. Uh, that's the way the, the country was founded was a beautiful piece of history. And so I, um, I came to U.S. to study computer science, and then I study um, MBA. Now that's my job. But I also have a passion for politics and social stuff. That's why I wrote the book uh, titled Diversity, the Modern Fetish, and Equality in the Guise of Ideal. So from the title, you probably have an idea of what's in my mind, what's in my head. And that sounds pretty conservative, and it is. It's probably 
more conservative than most conservatives would uh, would like to admit, because um, either it's left or right, they all agree diversity is the strength of, of America. And the difference between left and right is how you in- implement diversity. But I say no. I say diversity is just a fetish. It's not good for America. It's bad for America. It's a weakness. It makes America weak. And the second part, equality, is, is a guy's an ideal because equality, everybody's is an ideal. But the difference, again, between left and right is the left says wants the equality of outcome and the right says equality of opportunity. I say no. There's no such thing as equality. If you want to enforce equality on people, there will be disaster. And what, sometimes the quality of outcome, equality of opportunity are clear cut, but m- many times in the real world, they are very fuzzy, very hard to distinguish. So I say no, no equality, which is the way it is. So I'm a, you can say I want to go with the nature, go with the human, human, human nature, how things work, instead of uh, putting ideology and do some uh, models to influence people. So that's what's in my mind. To me, the left and right is uh, more of a cultural war than a social war or a political war. It's a cultural war because there's a very fundamental difference. Absolutely. No, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, you've you've written for different columns. Uh, Speak on that a little bit. I know you've written different articles and stuff like that. And You've gotten some of your work out there in the, in the public eye. Yeah, a column uh, I wrote. I used to have my website, but I I don't do that anymore because I live in my own time. I'm doing the more deeper uh, research and writing. Yeah, well, I started writing short shorter uh, articles for my website about social stuff. That's how I got the idea because the first time I heard the word diversity it doesn't sit well with me. It sounded interesting, but the more I thought about it, the worse it got. And like I said, I'm a thorough conservative because I'm not a liberal. Who is a liberal? Liberal, we've heard that liberal is a mental dis- liberalism is a mental illness. I, to my, to me, it is true because the liberals, if you look at it, they are people who are neurotic about environment. Whoa, the earth is getting too hot. Or they're neurotic about guns. Whoa, guns are so so dangerous. They would blame gun, guns for for all the deaths for all the, uh, the crime, or the, the, the uh, neurotic about world population. That's why they say, oh, we want abortion rights. They, they, they pretend to be for women's rights, for women's reproductive rights, but, but deep down, deep down, they don't want the, they think the earth has too many people, except themselves. They're, they're, they should be on the earth, but they don't want more, more people on the earth. They're very neurotic about population growth. And they're, they're very uh, neurotic about offense. Like, you know, oh, this is offensive, that is offensive. They are snowflakes, and they have, uh, there's so many uh, social justice warriors grown, grown out of them. So I'm none of that. I'm a normal human being, just like you, just like your, most of your audience. We conservatives are normal human beings. Uh, we take things as they are. We have common sense, and including Don, uh, President Donald Trump. So I... I I concede President Trump's uh, strength. I was, I believe, I wouldn't say I believe Trump will win the election in 2016, but I believe those people who made that prediction. And I'm glad he's uh, 
Uh, it, it's been a great show tonight. There's a lot of mentioning of uh, President Trump. He's in the United Nations today and working for the American people. And he's a patriot. patriot. And patriotism yeah. is part of a conservatism. Yeah, yeah, so, you're, you're so, absolutely. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I, I guess I'm a source of conservatism. So you say, while immigrants, so where do, you, where, where does your allegiance lie? Well, I'm not gonna lie. I have, I have to say, United States and China, fifty percent, fifty percent. I have to say, I, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, so uh, this, this is interesting to me. If I, I'm American. And I'm patriotic American. I'm conservative American. You know where that stands, right? So, of course, if you don't want to be uh, the other half, the other half of my allegiance will be with China. So where does it stand? I'm certainly not going to stand with the people protesting China, uh, in China, in Hong Kong, asking for all kinds of uh, democracy. Uh, it's a guise anyway, but that's, the, that's, their, uh, that's what they're, they're talking about, democracy. I'm not, I'm not for that. Because that in China, that would be liberal. So for, for a person, conservative person in China, he will be for the tradition value, which is the rule of the Communist Party. And when, let's not uh, take it as a, as a boogeyman. Oh, I can explain later. For the stability of the country, for unity of the country, for the strong strength of the country. Just like we want in America, conservatives want to make America great again. The conservative Chinese want to make China great again. That's how I uh, position myself, given my situation, logically, right. with common sense, with conscience. Right, and you know, I, you know, I love, I love everything you're saying. It's, it's, it's absolutely spot on, and you know, you're absolutely right. Liberals, you know, put themselves in boxes. They like to you know, play the victim stance. They like to generalize. They don't, they don't like to treat people like a human being. And, that, and that's, a, you know, that, that, that is a real big problem. And, and you're absolutely right. This, this whole talk of diversity, it does, it's, it's like the, it's the biggest joke because, you know, it's like they, they want to, they want to put some sort of, like I said, label. They, they want to put everything, everybody in boxes. They want to put everybody they want to say everybody's equal. They want to say everybody is equivalent to each other, even though we're not. I mean, let's just face it. You know, I'm not Michael Jordan. I can't be equal to Michael Jordan. We're not all equal. We're born with different talents. Exactly. We're born with different skills. We're born with different brains. You know, and these whole generalizations that keep coming from the left, it's out of control. I mean, it's, it's really off the wall. It is. I mean, they, will stere- they will stereotype people based on race, based on their sexual orientation. You know, they can't just treat people like human beings, and, and that's, that's a big problem. And, it, you know, every election we have to hear how a certain class of people are oppressed, and they want to speak for everyone, you know, and they want to use these people as political pawns. I mean, it, it, it's sick stuff. It really is sick. And, you know, you, you, bring, up, um, you bring up Hong Kong and, you know, it's it's pretty interesting what's going on there right now. I mean, they're they're fighting for freedom. I mean, they're fighting against communism. They're fighting for the exact same ideology that some Americans here want: socialism. I mean, they're fighting against it over in Hong Kong. 
and there's Americans here that want it. I mean, when, when will the people on the left understand the dangers of socialism? And speak on this Hong Kong stuff real quick, because it's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. Hong Kong, yes, it's interesting, very complicated, too. Hong Kong situation is that uh, the, the root of the cause is economics, because of the big, huge gap of wealth in Hong Kong. It, it's a legacy of the colonialism, the British rule for 150 years. They created, created that. So that's, that's simmering. Uh, that's the root of the root cause. And their outside force interference and manipulating the situation became a, a democracy, a freedom, uh, act, uh, freedom kind of uh, activism. And they fight for freedom. I agree with you. Everything you hear, uh, I hear. I'm very familiar with the narrative. But we have to look at the, the, the root cause. And those people, well, we, let's look at a different perspective. We certainly agree with people who want, want to, like people in, in a country like China, want freedom, want liberty. But don't forget, those are liberals in the country. Those are the people who, want, who, want, uh, who are progressive, who want to uh, discard the traditional values. They want something different. Just like here, here it's the opposite because of, because of culture, because of history. The, the people who want real liberty, real freedom are conservatives. But in China, it's a different, whole different environment, different history, different culture. People who want democracy are the liberals. So that, like I mentioned earlier, as a, conser- as, a through, as a through and through conservative, in China, in China situation, I'm for the, uh, the central government, the stability. I'm not for those uh, uh, liberals who are, who are, who use, who do what they do in the name of liberty, freedom, and democracy. That's not what they really want. They hurt a lot of people. They, they. They break a lot of things. They hurt a lot of people. They cause social dis, uh, disturbance in the name of liberty. That's not that kind of behavior is not tolerated in the U.S. Remember Ferguson. Ferguson, there's a riot in Missouri. Ferguson, Missouri, in the name of uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, all the, the fake news. In Chinese the China situation is the same. The narrative that we exposed to. Um, it's mostly fake news. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's true. Yeah, well, no, I, I hear, and you know, we have all these different narratives and, and all these different, you know, how, how the media has so much influence. But you know, is isn't China a lot of China? Isn't it filled with massive communism? Yeah, well, communism was that's how it started. Now they have uh, ni- since 1978 they opened the door. They have, this, they have abandoned communism. Now it's, you can call it a state capitalism. They give people freedom to have their own enterprises. The state controls a lot, controls a lot of things. They, all have, they also have planning, economic planning, just like it is here. Who, who, who's doing the planning in the U.S.? Uh, the Federal, Federal Reserve. Of course, the, the government does a lot of interference in the economy. There's no fundamental difference. The difference is a matter of uh, degree. So there, China is a state capitalism, and the U.S. is a lot of uh, it's capitalism, but it's not a uh, laissez-faire capitalism. It's a lot of control, also planning as well. Oh, I uh, I want to mention one thing uh, regarding Ferguson, Ferguson yeah. riot, and in the name of freedom, uh, equality, 
and uh, the, eventually the government couldn't quell the, the situation. They, st- they send in National Guard. They're sending troops. And China has, has been in, in that situation. Hong Kong has been in, in rioting for almost uh, for more than three months. They haven't sent troops. There's also Hong, always Hong Kong police try to, try, try to consi- uh, control the situation. They're exhausted, right. but they, they started to get in control because people are exhausted too. Those protesters are exhausted too. Then their numbers right. are diminishing. Also, Hong Kong is divided, just like we can see how U.S. divided, right? Hong Kong is divided, too, over the issue uh, whether you're pro-Beijing or you're pro-independence. I didn't mention the root cause is the Hong Kong situation, its economics, also a lot of, a lot of elements in the, in the activism. They really want independence from, from, uh, from China, the Hong Kong secession from China. Which is not tolerable. The same situation is not tolerable in the U.S. So if we want to look at them as a conservative, there's not a lot of things we can understand. If we can get around the narrative, the, uh, the narrative that we're exposed to, as a conservative, think like the Chinese person would think. Who wants their own, the best for their own country? Who wants stability? Who wants unity? Who wants peace? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree. Yeah, I hear you. And, you know, you know, we're seeing, you know, you speak on a lot of these social issues, and I'm glad you brought this up. I mean, we've seen so much fake news from the left in terms of all, all these social situations that have proven to be lies, like Ferguson, Tray, you know, the situation with Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman, wherever that happened, you know, situations mm-hmm. like, um, you know, all, all these different places. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's been an ongoing thing, and the liberal, the liberal media is the first to always take the side of the minority without even knowing the facts, and you know, or, or taking the side of the, of the. I mean, they take the side of the suspect way too often. It, it totally sends the wrong message to, to what, uh, you know, what this country was founded upon. I mean, we've we've had so much divisiveness over the media misleading so many people. And, I mean, it's just a mess. It really is, uh, you know, because, you know, I mean, you have all these situations, uh, and it, it doesn't it doesn't stop. It's all these social justice warriors who keep making things yeah, worse, yeah. and they keep causing problems in the streets, and they keep spreading their entitlement, and they'll go after any they're, – they're the definition of sheep. They hear something from the media – and they go crazy, and they, they start believing it. I mean, we live in a we live in a scary time for sure. Yeah, Rory, you're right. Um, the social social justice warrior. I wrote that book. They call it the the yeah, book, the, yeah, the modern book, fetish book. book. I I try to bury. I use that book. I try to use that book to bury the social warrior justice. I try to I try to uh, make the word racism obsolete because. Let's say, let's face it. We are we are different races. It's nothing. There's nothing wrong to be proud of your own race. It's not even anything wrong to think your race is better than everybody else. Just like you think your favorite of uh, professional sports team is better than others. Others, you just prefer them. Well, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not called racism. It's just human. So right. I 
so in my book, my reasoning, my my um, my theories, all based on human nature. But the liberals, liberals, there we we can kind of like look at it two two types of liberal. One is a manipulative, malicious kind of liberal. The other one is a naive liberal. The naive liberal, they try to be someone that they are not. For example, they have a black face, right? A long time ago, for whatever reason, maybe they they didn't mean it, but they had black face. Why? Because they had they had this thought that they don't want to, but it does. They do have it, and it manifests itself sometimes. So they they are struggling, and they're neurotic. It's called liberal neurosis. Yeah. Also, Roy, yeah, you you hit the yeah. nail at the head earlier in the show by saying by saying uh, oh the Democrats lack of decency. Remember you said that. That hits the nail yeah. by the head. I I mentioned the early United States history was a very beautiful piece of history in the human human civilization, but yeah. America, in my mind, America lost it. Why? Because Montesquieu says, which I agree, what's requisite to, absolutely requisite to a democracy is virtue. Because democracy, you have to control yourself. Control. Nobody, there's no, this body, there's no monarch to control you. You control yourself. So you got to have virtue. But if you don't have virtue, you're out of control. The society's out of control. That's how the Democrats look like nowadays. Yeah, yeah, and you bring up, you know, you bring up all these great points, and, you know, we're seeing with a lot of these liberals and a lot of these social justice warriors, you know, when we, when we talk about nationalism, they, they call that hateful. They claim nationalism is hateful. You know, they want to they have all these narratives that, you know, uh, if you're a nationalist, you're a Nazi, you're a racist, you're a bigot. But being a nationalist means you're proud of your country. It means you're proud of your exactly. country. You're proud of signature American values. I mean, what the hell do they want exactly. to call ourselves? You know what I mean? It's like, it's, yeah. and I've always said this with the left. They, they're feel, they care about their feelings more than over facts. I mean, you could put facts in front of their face all day long, and all they care about is their feelings. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Right, it's ridiculous. In my mind, there's absolute moral clarity in loving your country and loving your race. Think, think you're better than others. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's, I think that's human nature. It's common sense. If someone wants to deny it, whether they truly deny it, they really struggle inside. Or they're just saying they deny it. They'd be liars. So either way, liberals are, are no good. You're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, the, the biggest problem is what our society faces among politics. Is how, it's one of the biggest, I, I think, in a lot of ways, is how the liberal mindset and ideology has changed drastically in the last 30 years. Because a New Age liberal is much different than an old-school liberal. Many old-school liberals mm-hmm. support our president. You know, many old-school liberals supported Reagan. They supported Kennedy. And many old-school liberals are not the hateful bigots that are, that are like the new-school liberals today. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. 
I think things are deteriorating. You know, things are going bad, but things doesn't go bad in one day, right? It started to kind of bad, then now it gets worse. So th- that's the trend from from what I, from my perspective. It's a trend. And well, in the 70s, 60s, it was it wasn't that bad, but it was start. It's starting now. It's getting worse. If you look at the the history of affirmative action, it started in the 70s, 60s. And it gets worse and worse to getting out of control. It's another comes back to the question of equality. What's equality? Oh, they say, well, the minorities or the women, they're shortchanged. So we have to give them a little bit more to level the playing field. That's another case of a, a very fuzzy definition of what's uh, equality of opportunity and equality of uh, outcome. They say it's equality of uh, uh, opportunity because oh, there's short change. You're given a little more, a little bit more when when it comes to jobs or uh, school application. But it, it, you can also argue, rightfully, that it's a uh, equality of outcome because just add them to try to equal the outcome. So nowadays, yes. like you said, they're getting worse. The liberals doesn't. The liberals don't even pretend they want equality of opportunity. They just say we want equality of outcome. Right, and we're looking how feminism has, you know, like if anybody knows, you know, what feminism originally was and what it stood for, it was actually legitimately women's rights. This was back when it started years and years ago. But the new age feminism has created a whole sense of entitlement, created hostility, violent monsters, smelly animals. I mean, these people have, 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 I mean, these people, it, it's off the wall. I mean, you know, it's just a whole new yeah. level of derange, derangement. I mean, it's crazy. But your thoughts on that? It, they can deny the feminists. I think the feminists are the worst of the social warriors or the worst oh yeah, they're the type worst. of thought. And they're hypocrites. They can deny. They're hypocrites. They can deny, even say Muhammad Ali said, oh, black people are beautiful. Well, beauty is in the eyes of ideal. I say Chinese are beautiful. You say uh, whites are the most beautiful. There's, there's just, we think ourselves are the most beautiful. That's fine. But the feminism, feminists can deny the difference, fundamental difference between males and females. That's ridiculous. But they, that's how the whole thing base, is based on. They think there's no difference, so we we have to do everything equally. That's ridiculous. Men have men's role. Women have women's role. That's how the society functioned for millions of years. And now right. it comes to, comes to this, and you want to break They that. want to be superior. Yeah. They want, I think this, that's for their power. The feminists, not all women are feminists, but those feminists, especially radical ones, they, they do this feminism for power, for the personal power. Yep. At yep. all costs, they can they can kill your career, kill a man's reputation. They can destroy yep. you, destroy you, for their own power, and in the name of feminism, equality. Again, it's equality. Equality is really equal. It can be very used in a very evil way. To me, like I said, there's no equality. But if you really want equality, I advocate this call local equality or localized equality. For example, you work in a company, you don't talk, you don't, hey, say, oh, CEO, I'm not a CEO, but you say, oh, CEO, I want to have equality with CEO. No way, that doesn't work. But you can have equality with your coworkers, 
the workers of your same level, even if work in the same uh, on the same project, you're gonna have equal same pay, uh, same treatment, but you're not gonna have the same pay, same treatment as as the CEO. That's ridiculous. It doesn't work. If you force it that, if you force that, it's gonna be disastrous. It's gonna destroy everything that we know of. That's the structure of the society. Everything that works will not will stop working. Right, right. And you know what? It's just like when people want to talk about, well, I believe in equality, you know, every no. I mean people are qualified for different positions. Everybody is on their own level. You know, just like so, you know, it's just like people want to base too many things off sexual orientation, skin color. It's like base it off you should base it off of whoever is qualified. That's the right thing to do. I mean, it, it, it really is ridiculous. Um, I do got to go to commercial here in a second, but before I let you go, um, I want to ask you, you know, seeing all these entitled illegals coming into our country, mm. you, know, you know, just thinking they belong here and not doing it the right way when all these people are waiting in line, how does that make you feel? Because you came here the right way. You did it legally. You have all these people yeah. that they are special and they should get in the front of the line when they aren't, they aren't working hard. I mean, you have all these people waiting, and then you want these people that want to cut the line. It's ridiculous. Yes. I, but I, that's, I, actually, you're right. That's human nature. It um, doesn't, sit, doesn't sit well with me. But that's not what my focus is. I can understand some of them, like, uh, they're poor. They, they try to do the best for themselves. They can disregard other people's laws. But they try to. But that's also human, right? Human nature. They want to do the best themselves. But what I don't like, what I really have prob, big problem with the illegal immigrants is their attitude. They they're entitled. Yeah. They think I come, to, I came to this country. You owe me. They even dare to go out and protest for their rights. They have no right. If I were them, I would just lay low, hope for the best, hide, do my job, and try to make a living, hope for the best. They, I don't like their attitude. They come out in the light saying, oh, I want rights. I, you got to give me rights. You owe me something. I don't like that and, attitude. And they'll wave, you know, they'll wave their Mexican flag in the streets, and I'm like, you're in America. Why aren't you waving our flag? And you left Mexico because it was so bad. Why are you celebrating? Like, it's ridiculous. It's the biggest hypocrisy on earth. It's a, in your face. It's a power struggle. They have the numbers. They over time. They have the numbers. They they have the geographic uh, advantage just across the border, right. and they are in your face. Over time, they think they can they can be more powerful in this in America, and they can yeah. even more powerful than than you. So that's power struggle. They do the best they can. We have to do the best we can. Uh, back to the back to the uh, issue of uh, diversity. People will say, okay. So, so you're Chinese. So what about you in, in the United States? These are part of the diversity. I say diversity back for the country. I'm an expat. Um, I can be considered an expat. A certain, certain percentage is fine. But if I like say if there 20% Chinese po- uh, in the U.S. population, that wouldn't be good for this country. It's probably 5% would be okay. Same as China. China is a pretty homogeneous country, but they have a certain percentage of expats. And it's okay. Right. It's good. Because you got to have a little mix of people, you know, what, what, what they're about. As long as they don't cause trouble, as long as they, they identify with your values, which I do with the U.S. So, but I'm, I'm being consistent as a, as a conservative, as a, as a Chinese person in the, in the United States. I'm totally conservative. Uh, 
consistent. I love it. I love it. Uh, please tell everybody where they can connect with you, find your book, all that good stuff, and we will definitely have you back soon. Yeah, it's Amazon.com. You will find Eric Shepherd Mao. Shepherd, I put them to Shepherd because I like sheepdogs. I like herding dogs, so I put Shepherd over there. So Eric Mao is my real name. Shepherd is in the middle. If you search Amazon by Eric Shepherd Mao, you will find the book. Diversity, the Modern Fetish, and Equality in the Guise of Ideal. Also, I have a, I have a, a book trailer searched by Diversity, the Modern Fetish. You will see it on YouTube. It's a one minute, one minute and 15 seconds. It's kind of fun if you like dogs. Sounds good. Sounds good, my friend. Well, thank you, and then we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Rory. All righty. Have a good one. We'll be right back, everybody. Stay with us. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRace Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRace Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaceSecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind-the-scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert 
to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back, the Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, listened to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. We are back, everybody. Great to be back with all of you. Um, I do want to introduce, we're going to get to Will Johnson here in a second, but I want to introduce first, we have on the line, we have best-selling author, retired vet, commentator, and popular columnist, Bill Riley. Bill, welcome to the show. Hey, Rory. It's a it's great to see you. Great, great to have you here. Um, first time on, uh, like I do with all my guests. Uh, if you give us a, a little bio about yourself, how you know all the different uh, chapters you've been through, uh, how it all started, how you got to where you are, all that good stuff. All right. Well, let me start. I'm, I'm a writer now. I'm a retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel. I was an intelligence analyst during the Cold War. And later, I specialized in strategy and communications. I've since worked with intelligence and special operations professionals from every service, virtually every intelligence agency, and several friendly foreign governments. I'm particularly proud that my book, Baghdad, just won the Military Writers Society of America Founders Award for the standout book for 2019 and the gold medal in the memoir category. You're cutting out a little bit. Okay, so how's that? Is that better? Much better. All right, so uh, basically I, I started out as a Cold War analyst, and um, I did a lieutenant colonel job. I retired, and I'm, uh, now, I'm, now I'm a writer, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be on your show. Well, it's great, it's great to have you here. Uh, tell, tell us uh, – Tell us about your your, your military career because you know it's pretty fascinating. You you did quite a bit and you you've been heavily involved in uh, different uh, intelligence and you know you were just you were just telling about telling us about all the different governments and stuff you've uh, been affiliated with. It's some some big stuff. Well, basically, you know, I, I started out as uh, like a lot of people in the military, where I wanted to get out of where I was, and the military was a great opportunity for that. I, I wound up uh, pre-qualifying for special operations, but in in the end, it just it wasn't a good fit for me. And they offered me a military analyst job, and um, and 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 you know, talking, researching, being able to put things together, being able to get good guys to bad guys. That that kind of that kind of did it for me. Yeah, and so so you're so tell tell us about your intelligence. I'm, you you've been involved with. You've done different stuff. Tell us about that. The intelligence okay. you, you've um, been involved. Yeah. I, I started out as a SAC analyst, a strategic air command, and then um, pretty much a, a nuclear employment. I was a Soviet analyst. I, I studied um, the Soviet Union and their exercises, how they employed their uh, forces. And um, later I wound up uh, working at the uh, – Director of National Intelligence. Wow! Wow! Tell us about that. That's that's. Uh, I mean, that's huge. Well, that was uh, it was kind of a weird dogleg in my life. I I was 
a young analyst. I, um, I, I worked with guys from Central Intelligence, and it was mostly they were voices on the other end of the phone. They were interesting. They would help inform where we were looking at, um, you know, uh, what the world looked like in terms of uh, a, a potential nuclear war back then. And they would inform us on the strategic and uh, the, the military, the, the geopolitical changes going on in the world. And um, that wound up being something when I was in Yugoslavia. I was there right when Slobodan Milosevic was um, tearing the country apart with all sorts of ethnic instability. And I, I wound up hooking up with a uh, what would now be a clandestine services team. And they wound up being mentors and people that uh, really changed the course of my life. And uh, a, a big part of my book, Baghdad, he um, talks about that adventure and trying to overcome some adversity, hooking up with them, and some of the missions we did. And I'm very grateful to uh, the Office of the Director of the National Intelligence because it, they vetted the book for nine months, and in the end, they let me actually tell the story that, that I wanted to, to honor two individuals that uh, there's no other trace of them in the world except for what you'll find in my book. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm, you're an award-winning author. You, you, you've done, you know, you've done quite a bit, and I'm, I'm, I'm re- looking at your book right now. It's called Bag Daddy, How Saddam Hussein Taught Me to Be a Better Father. Explain us. Uh, talk about it a little bit. What's, what is it? Uh, sounds very interesting. Well, you know, a, a lot of times we learn most of what we learn from the, the worst examples of what we find. And Saddam is, is, is up there with the worst examples. He was, uh, in a lot of ways, a terrible military leader. He was a, a nationalist in, in, in the old sense. Where he studied uh, Hitler, and his only concern with Hitler was that Hitler didn't carry the job too far. You know, he didn't carry it far enough. And, you know, you study people, and whether it's the boss that you hate or the um, the, the parents that you see that you, you hope you'll never be, we learn most of what we learn from those great examples of what not to do. So a part of the book is that. A part of the book is my father tried to teach me lessons. Um, and he was a Marine. He was, uh, he was a Vietnam vet. He came back with PTSD. And that was in a time in our nation where the nation really wanted to sweep those people aside and not acknowledge them. So he dealt with his disability by having incredible standards that a young man like myself, I had trouble, you know, achieving and, 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 and being able to uh, be the, the person that he wanted to be at a young age. But he trained us to basically overcome the, the next war. So, you know, as, as children, we learn these lessons from our parents. They're the gods of our world. And we wind up carrying them around and, and sometimes resenting them. And then later on in life, when the situation is right, we open our mouths, these words tumble out, and it's the message that our, our parents tried to teach us. And for me and Baghdadi, that message finally made sense in the last firefight that we had when I was in country. And understanding what my father was trying to teach me, I, I believe, helped me uh, not only survive that last firefight, but to successfully rest my team out. And I'm sure... I'm sure being out there, you know, you were in combat, so I'm sure that you pretty much saw everything known to mankind. To tell us a little bit about that, I'm sure it's a quite, quite the experience. Well, you, 
you see the best of people in situations like that because they, they're, they're worse situations. And you also see the worst in people. Often back then, within minutes, you can see someone do something uh, just amazing that is heroic. And then you turn the corner and they do something where, you know, you just question their humanity. And war is like that. It, it's one of the reasons why it's the last instrument of power that we bring to bear as a country after diplomacy and economics and uh, other lines of communication have been exhausted because once we commit, we have to press forward in a way that's our, our, our best effort to preserve what's important to us. And, you know, in those environments, you grow up, it changes you, and sometimes you see things that um, you can't forget, and it takes you a little while to put them into perspective. Yeah, I hear you. And and how? L- let me ask you this: How did you? How did you feel about the decision for the Afghan and Iraq war? How did you feel about it? The the decision at the end to um, start to withdraw. No, I, no, I, I'm just wondering how you feel about how you felt about Afghan and, and Iraq war. I mean, what were your thoughts on it? And you're you're cutting out a little bit. Um, okay, so in 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 general. I would say my my feelings were formed after 9-11 like a lot of people's. Uh, you know, 9-11 left a mark on our social consciousness. It, it, for me, being a kid from New York yeah. and, and, and being in the military. And don't you, don't you agree, though? Don't you agree? Um, it was something don't – you, don't you agree it had to have been some sort of setup? I mean, there were so many red flags, so many things that didn't add up. I, I just think there were so many – uh, so many signs of, you know, the government lying to us. But, you know, I'll, I guess we'll never know. But what are your thoughts on that? I think it's an excellent question. And I think it's one that I don't think that anyone's really answered very well yet. I have a theory. And in my book, I talk a little bit about And you're from New York, so I can only imagine how it affected you. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was a, I, you know, as a boy. I grew up on Long Island, you know, and – I you know, we went to field trips in the World Trade Center. I had friends that after high school or college worked in the financial district and in the, the Twin Towers. It it to me it was personal. And to a lot of America that watched those buildings fall, it was personal. So I, I mean my theory is that, you know, because we went into Iraq and that was kind of a weird dog leg. Because, you know, Saddam, well, Saddam Hussein, he was rattling his saber for a long time. And, and we finally reached the point where it, it was fish or cut bait. We gave him a chance to open up his weapons of mass destruction facilities, his research facilities, to let inspectors back in. And he basically gave us the finger and told us to pound sand. And at that point, It's critical to remember that anthrax was floating not only through the Senate and Congress, but every major news agency was reporting uh, some sort of taint in anthrax in the mail, and 12 mail carriers had died as a result of just doing their job. So we were on edge, and when Saddam Hussein said that, you know, he was going to keep pushing it, he was going to keep denying the investigators, um, we, we pulled the trigger on that. So I think in some ways it was reactionary, 
but also in terms, if you look at what was going on in the world at the time, it, it made sense. I mean, we were just looking for a way to protect ourselves and stop the pain. And so we, we wound in Iraq. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's, you know, it's a, um, it's one of those things. It, it, it really is, uh, you know, and I can, I can understand what you're saying. I mean, we were, it was personal. It really was. I mean, it, and I, you know, I just wish we would have attacked, you know, Saudi Arabia. Cause I mean, that's in a lot of ways, uh, you know, from the reports, it seemed like that's where a lot of it came from. The, the people that orchestrated it, the nine 11 stuff. Right. And obviously I know, I know Osama bin Laden had something to do with it. He was in Afghanistan, but I don't think he was the entire entirety of the problem. I think there were a lot of different people that were behind it and, you know, influenced it. But uh, it's, it's one of those things, man, where I feel really bad about, you know, all the money spent, the, the lives lost in the war and all, all the, you know, it's just, it's, it's just like it's, ne- it's never ending. And um, we had to react, obviously, back then to, to somehow. And um, I just wish it was more um, structured. The way we went about uh, certain certain wars and, and certain things, and you know, I've I've always been a conservative, um, but I'll tell you, the Bush administration, in my strong opinion, made a lot of mistakes. I think you can make an argument for that. I I also think you can make an argument that they made the best of a situation that was something that we hadn't seen since Pearl Harbor. Um. How we wound up in Iraq, that, 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 that is twisted. But you and also you have to agree, remember. Don't, don't you agree oh, ending up in Iraq, don't you agree pretty much that it divided the Middle East in a lot of ways? I think that President Bush's father, when we conducted the Persian Gulf War, made an unpopular decision, and that was to leave Saddam Hussein into power. And, you know, he kept him in power, and the reasons were – because he was a CIA guy who understood very clearly that a vacuum in that area was going to divide the entire area and, and either Saddam Hussein in Iraq or Iran were the linchpins that were holding that together. And by removing Saddam Hussein, um, it really created a free-for-all. I mean, he made a welfare state out of Iraq where everyone was dependent on the Ba'ath Party and the government. And when and when Bad uh, and Saddam went away, and the Americans came in, and we said, "Well, if you're you're a bad guy, we're not going to pay you pension anymore." That just created pandemonium in the country. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. And you know, um, what what we're you know what what we're facing now is you know the the threat of Iran. I mean, what are your thoughts of that? I mean, you know the, these these hostile animals in Iran. Iran is a tough nut to crack. We've been friends. We've been enemies. They, they really support education, and their engineers overall are pretty good. Um, but they've been living in the shadow of China, India, Russia to a degree. And they're, um, they sort of got a Napoleon complex. They have a lot of good weapons that they've acquired. They have a lot of good technology they've gotten from the surrounding states that 
are much more advanced than they are. They wish for the end of Israel, and they've actively tried to destroy anyone that came through that affected their objectives. For for lack of a better word, they want to be the big dog in, in all of the Middle East, and they want to reunite Persia. But they've not had the wherewithal. They've not had the uh, management and leadership ability. And they've not had anything but tyranny to unite their people. And right. they definitely hey, the cost. Sure. Try and fix the connection if you can. It still keeps going in and out. Okay, there we go. How about that? Much better. Keep going. I'll continue. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm 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 sorry, Rory. I'm I'm like one of those New Yorkers that when I get excited, I talk with my hands, and that's making the microphone move. So I will try to be on my best behavior. Oh, you're good. But the um, Iraq and Iran have a long and storied history. They fought each other to the death. They've killed most of their adult males for two generations. So when the vacuum was there, when Saddam Hussein left, uh, I'll give you an example. And when I went to Iraq again the second time, and this was about um, uh, mid 2000s, uh, you know, so about 2005-2006, um, the British were looking at relocating their flag out of Basra. It controlled you're still, all the southern regions for a while. Still cutting out. Okay. So the 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 British in in Basra were um, basically the control, but they succeeded the, their authority to a, a bunch of standing armies that were basically militias that were in there that were uh, run by Iraq. And, and then uh, they became armies that were run by Iran. And in the period of a year, Basra, the central location where oil flows into the Persian Gulf, every mayor position, every police position, every, uh, you know, every uh, animal control dog collector, every petty um, politician, they were all Iranian citizens. So part of what we had to do working with the Iraqi army at that point was was walk south and drive every single one that was a foreign national to Iraq out of those key positions so Iraq could rule southern Iraq again. It was the same playbook that they used with ISIS when um, ISIS took the north and central cities. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we're dealing, um, we definitely are dealing with a um, an ongoing crisis with this. There's no doubt about that. And, um, Bill, please, uh, if you can, um, I'm going to I'm going to get back to you. Um, so when I want to do some closing statements on some stuff, I'll, I'm going to give you another like couple minutes. Um, let, let, let me let me ask you this: what What are your thoughts? Um, on you know just on Trump's foreign policy. Obviously, you're you're very familiar with being overseas and and being you know involved and affiliated with the military. What and you know you know a lot about foreign policy. What do you how do you feel about it? Good, right? I got to tell you, I'm a big fan. Uh, Trump, in particular, solved the the major parts of the ISIS uh, issue. The, the conflict that we were having that divided Iraq, a country that we had worked hard to put together and put on the path towards democracy, 
Right. And he ran the um, the conflict as if it was the Vietnam War. Uh, he said that it was impossible. He said that the Russians needed to have sovereignty in specific areas. And Trump came in and within six weeks had accomplished every single major objective. And um, ISIS had fled from center of Iraq, north into into Syria and Jordan, where they were assassinated. I'm a big fan of President Trump, and he, you know he does listen to his military leaders. He asks hard questions. Um, they, they have hard debates, but he, he listens to what the professionals say, and he doesn't hinder them. Yeah, no, I hear you. Amen. Amen. Stay, stay on. Uh, tell everybody where they can connect with you, get your book, all that good stuff. Thanks, Rory. Um, I, I'm pretty much my book is, is is anywhere, and if you look for Baghdadi, you'll be able to find it. But but look for me at Bill Riley. Author. That's Bill Riley, R I L E Y, author.com. Perfect. Perfect. Well, stay with us, Bill. Uh, I'm going to come back to you. We're going to, going to get into some closing statements and all that different stuff, but stay with us. Will do. Uh, I would like to welcome to the show, I believe he's with us. Uh, I have popular talk show host, entrepreneur political activist and freedom fighter, Will Johnson. Will, are you with us? Give me a second. Having some issues with the connection. Give me a second. Let's see here. All righty, just why is you know, fixing these phone lines There's some issues with them real quick um, Yeah, I want to go into Some closing statements Hold on a second, guys Weird All righty. Okay, so sorry, guys. There was a little bit of technical difficulties. Uh, I'm getting it fixed right now. Uh, but just want to read some headlines uh, just just from the day. Uh, President Trump, uh, his reelection campaign is getting so much uh, fundraising opportunities and so much money um, off of this whole impeachment inquiry. I mean, it's ridiculous what these what these people uh, have created and, and what they've, you know, allowed him to do. I mean, they, they're giving him – putting out impeachment is allowing him to fundraise like crazy. Anybody on the line right now, please mute. We're having um, – hey, Bill, can you please mute your microphone real quick? Yeah, 
Yeah, there's nothing but issues with this, guys. I'm having so much issues with this. Um, I'm going to have to go here in a second, guys. This is just ridiculous. The whole, the whole screen and the whole system is shutting down on me. Um, but just going into this whole President Trump and his fundraising, I mean, he's getting so much more money. It, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, off, off of this impeachment, off of this ridiculous idiocy, uh, he's just uh, – it's, it's insane how much his money is adding up and how much he's raising. It really is unbelievable. It, it truly is. And, you know, it, I'll tell you, uh, we are getting 2020 handed to us. We are getting it handed to us, and there's no doubt about that. I mean, it's, it's in the bank. It is uh, – this is a beautiful thing, what we're dealing with right now. Um, I also want to mention uh, President Trump today has authorized fully to release the transcripts from the Ukraine call, very big deal, very big thing, uh, a lot to look forward to with that. Truth is going to set us free once again. Um, you know, the approval rating is now at the highest it's ever been, 53%, highest it's ever been. Big news, guys, big news. Uh, Wall Street Journal, NBC poll came out today. Healthcare for illegals is the least popular policy in the 2020 race. Think about that, people. Healthcare for illegals is the least popular policy in the 2020 race. So these Democrats are getting nowhere with this communism idiocy. I mean, it's just nuts. It's ridiculous that this should even be on their plate. Um, it's, it's not going over well. That's for damn sure. Uh, you know, Chicago really needs to get another, another hard article out today. Chicago really needs to get their shit under control. You have five police officers that have been attacked in one week. This crap does not end. This crap, it just keeps happening. We have shootings every day there. We have people getting attacked, innocent people. Oh, and it's the number one gun control city in America, and the Democrats won't talk about it. You know why? You know why you, know why you don't hear the mainstream media discussing it? Because it doesn't fit their narrative. It's not part uh, of, what, of what they're trying to spew. Because they know, you know, showing this kind of truth only – uh, ruins ruins what they have planned. It's so true, so true. Um, let's see here. This whole drag queen story hour is getting out of control. It's getting out of control. It's insane. It's nuts. It's a disgrace to humanity. It's backwards ideology. It's a threat on our signature and traditional values in America. And it's being celebrated and enabled every day by the left. And the next step, and we know this, is pedophilia. They go from this to normalizing pedophilia. You give them an inch, they'll take a mile. They'll keep going over and over and to push their agenda, and they don't care who it hurts. You know, 20 years ago, this would have been laughed at and, and looked at as insane by the Democratic Party. But today it's normalized. Today it's, you know, it's, 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 it's celebrated. It's ridiculous. And we have children getting stuff shoved down their throats with this kind of garbage. It's sick. It's sick, sick, sick. And we're supposed to accept it. Otherwise, we're called hateful and bigots and Nazis if we don't accept it. This is ludicrous, guys. It really is ludicrous. You know, and... 
this can't, this can't, this isn't part of, you know, sane humanity. This, this, nobody ever tried to try to accept this or normalize it because it's not. It's about as insane as it gets. There's nothing proper or normal about this behavior, and it's being pushed because it's radical, and they want more and more radicalization, and they want to keep causing divisiveness, and they want to keep causing more and more anger from, from, the, from people. So we keep fighting. This is all part of the plan. And it's sick. It's sick. It's sick. It's sick. And, you know, it's, it's being shoved down our throats. It's being indoctrinated into our kids. In many schools, it's now part of the curriculum that they need to do LGBTQ bullshit. Uh, you know, it, it's crazy. It's sick. It really is. This is really, this is really sick, what I'm about to say. Catholic missionaries are comparing Greta, the crazy girl, the, 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 the UN, the climate change nut job. They're trying to compare her to the Virgin Mary. Yes, this is what we've came to. You have people representing, and I'm a Catholic, and you have people representing the Catholics now that are pro-abortion. They, they are pro-liberal. They're, they're pro-idiocy. They're pro-backwards American ideology. This, this, crap is, this crap is scary. By the way, everybody, we got the system back, so I'll be calling on everybody here shortly. But this, this is scary. We have a pope who wants to bring illegals into our country, and he wants open borders, and he, and he supports abortion, and he wants to call our president every name in the book. You remember when popes and these people involved with our, our religion never talked about politics? But usually, obviously, they were conservatives because they were pro-life. They were pro. They were pro tradition. They were pro values of our religion. I mean, come on. This is this is this is to a whole new level of extreme. Uh, it, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. I, I can't even. I can't fathom how anybody in the Catholic Church could support or compare this little girl to the Virgin Mary. How they could support abortion, and how the Pope could support open borders. And anyone coming into this country, I mean, it's ridiculous. Stay out of politics. The Vatican has enough problems of their own. Um, and, and I'm just tired. I'm tired of all these people involved in our religions are, are now so heavily involved in, in, in turning our country sideways. I mean, these people are part of the elite. They are part of the deep state. It's scary stuff. It really is scary. Um. You know, this is a really big one, and this needs to be discussed before we go. Uh, the Trump admin is telling the UNC, University of North Carolina, and Duke, and other colleges to revise the Islam program uh, and, or lose taxpayer funds. I mean, it's very simple. We do not want hateful terrorist ideology on these campuses. And this is what the, our guest said earlier. When you use the word diversity, you're really getting dangerous because you're basically allowing anybody to come into your culture regardless of how they stand on their ideology. You're going off their skin color. You're going off of putting them as oppressed. You're trying to put them in the victim box. I mean, it's, it's bad when you guys don't even look at the truth of this religion and what it really stands for. Um, and, you know, you guys, guys have totally taken out Christianity, totally taken out, you know, re, you know religions that uh, support America and love America. But you want to put all these religions in your universities, just like you want to have socialists, communist professors, and you, and you want to push Islam. It's disgusting. 
These are the same kind of people that have a God that was a pedophile. These are the same people that crashed into the World Trade Center. These are the same, same people that are killing Christians every single day overseas. And here, I mean, think about it. Sometimes they are. Um, Dr. Hennon, I'll go to you. Sorry about all the technical difficulties, and I know I've just said a lot of different things, but uh, your thoughts on anything, go ahead. Well, I, I tell you what, I think you hit a nail on the head with that last uh, comment that you were talking about with Islam. Um, honestly, we need to eradicate that from our society. Uh, it doesn't mesh with our Constitution. It goes against everything that we have ever been founded on here in America. Uh, and, and, you know, that's a problem, you know, when you're talking about, you know, the Pope, when we talk about different other religious leaders getting involved in politics. You know, the, the problem is they're, they're basing it on just religion, and religion isn't what founded this country is a relationship with, with God. Um, and there's a difference between the two. If you don't have a relationship, uh, you know, with Jesus Christ, then, uh, you, you know, you, you can't call yourself a Christian, number one. Uh, you, you're not walking the walk. You, you know, you're just talking the talk. And we've got to get God back in America. And, you know, I, I think uh, we're at a turning point with Trump that we have an opportunity like never before to bring him back in. And uh, you probably want me to go ahead and give some of my how, – how I can be found. I'm going to just go ahead and do that right now. Um, you can actually go to my website. Hennon, and it's the number four, Ohio2020.com. Um, that's my website. People can donate there. Um, like I said, I'm running in the, the 13th district. It is a heavily Democrat district in Ohio. We're probably the, the fourth toughest district or, you know, in Ohio. And, and I think right now it is doable. We've got uh, Tim Ryan just uh, running his mouth, running around, you know, AOC, and running around uh, just an extreme liberal uh, you know, once again, just applauding of the impeachment of the president. It's time we take this guy out and send him packing for, you know, just get him out of our government. Been in there for 17 years now. It's time he moves on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at drdhennen. Um, it's d-r-d-h-e-n-n-e-n. And I'm also on Facebook. You can look me up, Dwayne Hennen, on Facebook. Uh, and those are kind of the places you can find me. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. All right. I appreciate it. Uh, Michael, Ball, go ahead. Well, Roy, you've touched on a whole bunch of things tonight, and it's been a great show. You know, the president you, just read an article. Thoughts, have yeah, I will. The president already has a campaign video out based on this impeachment thing uh, and and the whole witch hunt of his first uh, term in office. And just real quick on radical Islam, you know, if you studied the deep state at all, you know that they use radical Islam. They radicalized and support and kind of shows which group they were going to radicalize and support and then condemn Christianity in the process, you know, in in part to get to, to help carry out their agenda. But I see that some Catholic leaders got together and now they've called for the Pope's resignation. I think that's going to happen. Probably not soon enough for me. Worst Pope in history. This, guy's like, this guy is the Antichrist. He's crazy. I believe that he is. You know, I, I'm a I'm a Roman Catholic uh, too, and I go to church every week. And I just I just can't believe that this guy, with some of the things that he says, I know what the teachings of the church are. Uh, he's a he's a New World Order guy. He's that's what he is, and. Uh, I think he's got some serious, serious issues that are facing him, and I think he'll be forced to resign at some point. You can find me on Twitter at Michael Volsey, 
uh, easiest way to contact me, you're welcome to DM me. Uh, Rory, again, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure. Richard, go, Richard, go ahead. Hey, Roy. You know, I just want to say you're the first guy that I've heard say that, that we should have been bombing Saudi Arabia right after 9-11 because I was sitting there in a restaurant when we were going to war with Baghdad, and I'm saying, why aren't we bombing Riyadh? I mean, why are we here in Baghdad? Now, we know that we got conned and hustled by Colin Powell at the U.N., by Condoleezza Rice, and all these neocons ended up voting for Hillary, coming out for Hillary during the election. And one of the reasons why I voted for Trump is because he was against the Iraq war and he knew what was going on. And we know when, that, uh, when the Twin Towers got hit, the only planes that were in the air were uh, the Osama bin Laden's family flying out of the United States. George Bush gave them a pass. Uh, because of the Carlisle group that his dad was operating, all that money. So this, this conspiracy that you're talking about is there. Now, I don't think that our government was involved in a conspiracy allowing um, the hijackers to hit the planes. I just think that they were just so just asleep at the switch uh, that they didn't even care because they already knew that these guys were training in the U.S. to be able to uh, – they didn't need to uh, take off or land. All they needed to do is be able to fly the plane into the Twin Towers. So I, I just want to say, you're the first guy that I've heard actually say that, and I absolutely agree with you. This whole Baghdad war was a con. We used Saddam Hussein as a counterbalance to Iran. We're the ones that uh, supplied him with the weapons, that supplied him with uh, the gas, everything that was going on in Iran. And then uh, when things started going south with him, uh, you know, George Bush Sr. had it right. You know, he went in there. You know, put the guy back in his place, but he knew not to create a, a vacuum in Baghdad. But Junior had to come in. I'm going to prove something to my dad. I'm a hero. I don't talk to my own father. I talk to a higher father. Well, you know what? God doesn't respect that. If you're not going to talk to your own father about going into war in a war that he already fought and won, uh, you know, what the hell are you doing then? So, I, you know, I'm with you 100% on that. And that's one of the reasons why I voted for Trump. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of Americans voted for Trump because they're tired of the BS, the globalists, the elitists, and you really hit something that I've never heard anybody uh, say. And I've been saying this the last couple of days because now we're talking about uh, supporting Saudi again in this, uh, in this war against Iran. And I understand, you know, the oil thing, but thank God we're oil independent. You know, I, you know, I don't want to go right. on with this because I could really, I could do an hour on, on, on this right now. Right, I, I do. I do got. I only got like two minutes left. But please tell everybody where they can connect with you and find you. Well, they can connect with me, uh, Richard M. Hansen, for Mayor, City of San Diego, on my uh, Facebook page, or you can just go to Richard M. Hansen on LinkedIn, or you can go to Richard M. Hansen. That's Hansen H A N S E N uh, dot com. So you can find me in several places there. Just Google my name, Richard M. Hansen. I come up all over Google there. And I just want to say I really appreciate everything that you're doing, Rory. And God bless you. And God bless President Trump and the United States of America. Absolutely, my friend. Amen. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Thank you, sir. Uh, let, let's go to Mike Peters in New York. Go ahead, buddy. 
Well, there's so much to say. First off, I'd like to thank uh, uh, Colonel Riley for joining us tonight. And I think we could have actually done a, a whole show with uh, his input on, on the beginnings. Uh, with, since he was in intelligence and everything, that he has some, a lot of insight into the beginnings of yeah. Saddam before we get into right. the invasion that I think would have been interesting. So I, I really thank you so much for joining us and everyone. That was on the show tonight. Great show again, Rory. Thank you for having me. Thank you, buddy. Always a pleasure. We'll see. We'll see you Thursday. Thanks. Um. Alrighty. Uh, it's uh. God, it's it's been uh, it's been quite the show. It's been quite the show, everybody. I uh. I want to thank uh, all my guests, my co-hosts, my sponsors and audience. You're incredible. Uh, another day, another episode in the books of the Rory Sodder Show. Uh, we got a lot, big show on Thursday night, a lot to get to. Um, I will see you all then. Uh, thank you. I love you all. Have a great rest of your night, and uh, I will see you Thursday. I'm Rory Sodder. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Much love. Cheers.